Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 1, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. So as you look at Luke, you will notice that there's a compassion in his writing. And naturally so. He was a doctor. And I don't know about you, but ain't nothing worse to go into a doctor who is not compassionate. Amen. Especially in the prices of medicine and healthcare today. Good. At least you can show some compassion. If I come and tell you I'm sick, don't tell me go home and eat an apple. You better do something for me. Oh, pastor, I'm uh, doctor, I'm sick, I'm sick. Really? Well, that's because you ain't taking care of yourself. I'm like, you need to be fired or get out of the HMO system or something. What's going on with you? Luke was compassionate. You know, somebody once said this. I love this statement. They said, a minister sees people at their best, a lawyer sees people at their worst, and a doctor sees people as they are. And that's very true. Luke sees people as they are, as he writes with compassion. And as you read this gospel, you can clearly see that Luke loves people. And Luke has a special place in his gospel for women. Elizabeth, Mary, you'll find them in his gospel. Anna, Martha, Bernice, Candace, Dorcas, Drusilla, Joanna, Lydia in the book of Acts, Priscilla, Sapphira. All of these women are in Luke's writings. He gave special place to children, the childhood of John and the childhood of Jesus. Dr. Luke loved people. Doesn't that beg the question, Christian, what about you? Do you love people? Do you love people? You know, the mark of a true Christian is that they love people. Can you say a better amen than that? Jesus said that they will know you are Christians by your love. Uh, We think that people will know we're Christians by how much we speak in tongues. We think people will know we're Christians if we shout. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of you don't. You're okay. Some people think, oh, they'll know we're Christian if we carry a really, really big Bible. Or they'll know we're Christians if we go to church often. They'll know we're Christians if we do this or that or the other. Jesus said people will know you're Christian by your love one for another. We need to love each other. You know, there are some people who will tell you, I'm a Christian. You know, I love God, but I just don't like his people. Somebody actually told me that one time. I ain't kidding you. They said, oh, I just love Jesus. Yes, hallelujah. You know, they started speaking in tongues and Doing that, all caught up in the spirit. I love Jesus, but oh, I just don't like the church. I don't need to go to church. I don't like the church. I said, well, that's crazy. You can't love Jesus and not love his people. 
we are the body of Christ and Jesus is the head. And you can't you can't live without your head. Somebody say, amen. Goodness, great. Y'all making me work hard. <laughs> you, you, you need the head and you need the body. You need a complete person. And for you to say, well, I love Jesus, but I don't like his body. That doesn't make sense. If you're a Christian, you need to love people. Jesus said, you, they'll know you're Christians because you love people. Dr. Luke, he loved people. Now, notice in verse 1 in your Bibles as we try to move forward here. Look at verse 1 again. Would you look at it again? If you're looking at it, say, I'm looking at it. Inasmuch as many, Luke says, have taken in hand to set in order a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us. Luke says, listen, I realize that there are Many, and there were many who have already written about Jesus, but I want to write too, Luke says. Now, if you're here this morning, listen, give me your attention. I want you to hear me. Please hear me. You're here today and you've never received Jesus personally. I, I would encourage you to do so. And one of the reasons why I would encourage you to do so is because we have an incredible, incredible record of the life and the ministry of Jesus in the New Testament. Even if, listen, you were to get rid of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, throw it away, get rid of it, ignore it. Do you realize there is enough biblical, extra biblical evidence and manuscripts to completely compile those four gospels again? Even if you got rid of what Matthew said, what Mark said, what Luke said, what John said, you could still take 24,633 manuscripts compile the Gospels together again just as they are written right here. Did you know that? Any, listen, any rational archaeologist, any rational professor will tell you the same thing. So if you compile the manuscript, stay with me, if you compile the manuscript from Plato, from Socrates, from Homer, and, 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 and different Greek authors, you compile those manuscripts, it will total around 350 to 900 manuscripts. You total up the manuscripts about Jesus, as I just told you, you have more than 24,000 New Testament manuscripts. I tell you that to tell you this, Jesus' life, listen, Jesus' life is the most documented life in the history of mankind. And they won't tell you that in university. Trust. But it's true. His life is well documented. And if you never received them as Lord and Savior, then why? It isn't because there isn't enough evidence. The evidence is there. The evidence is plain. Now it's just a matter of you confessing to say the same thing God says about you. And that is you're a sinner. We're all sinners and we need Jesus. And we need the grace of God. There's no reason for any person in this room to not know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Luke is saying, I'm taking on the task to bring you a narrative that many, how many, we don't know, but in his day, many had already sought to write down. These were eyewitness accounts. Notice in verse two, 
from the beginning were eyewitnesses. That word eyewitness, if you're taking notes, you write this down, is the Greek word autopsis. Autopsis. We have the word, does that sound familiar? We have the word autopsy. Very good. The word autopsy is a medical term. As we go through the book of Luke, as we go through this gospel, you're going to see, and I'm going to point out to you, there are many, many medical terms that, that, that Luke uses. And so here we have this word autopsis, and it's the word, that's the Greek word for eyewitness, and it literally means a detailed examination. Luke is saying, I sat with eyewitnesses as they gave me the details of Jesus' life. We know Peter was an eyewitness. Do you want to write this down? Second Peter chapter 2, verse 16. For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. First John chapter 1, verse 3. That which is from the beginning which we have seen, which we have seen with our eyes and we've handled with our hands the word of life. The life was manifested and we have seen it. And so that's an eyewitness and we bear witness. First Corinthians chapter 15. Did you know after the resurrection? Did you know this? After the resurrection, there were more than 500 eyewitnesses that saw Jesus walk the earth after the resurrection. Paul tells us that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Luke is writing all of this down after interview after interview from eyewitnesses, just like those who were eyewitnesses and ministers, he says. Now imagine, again, interview after interview. Luke, give me your attention, please. Luke probably interviewed Mary, the mother of Jesus. Of course he did. And he probably said, Mary, let me ask you a question. He probably said, how did you feel when you took that crazy ride from Nazareth to Bethlehem during your third trimester? How did you feel? And did you feel humiliated when everybody found out that you were a single mom and, pre- and pregnant? And how did you feel in a barn giving birth to the Savior? And Mary, did Jesus go through the terrible twos? I was kind of wondering. And did Jesus argue with his brothers and sisters about the last bowl of cereal? Just kind of curious. And did Jesus walk around? Mary, I'm just curious. Did Jesus walk around acting like the Messiah? I mean, like when he woke up in the morning, did he like wake up and look at his brothers and say, listen, guys, I am the Messiah. Don't forget it, okay? Or I will send you. It could be here or here. Don't eat the last bowl of Cheerios. Got it? I don't know. Did he? Or, 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 did, he, or did he look at Mary and, and, and did he say, you know, did, did Jesus even, did he look like the Messiah? I mean, when, when Jesus walked around, I mean, did he, did he look like, you know, in the movies, they got him looking like the Messiah. Everywhere he goes, music follows him in Hollywood. Isn't it true? Everywhere he goes, he doesn't even walk anywhere. He glides. He, he's, he floats everywhere. And everywhere he goes, there's a light on his eyes. And everywhere, in every movie, his eyes are blue. Now, we know his eyes wasn't blue. It couldn't have been. He's from the Middle East. They probably were brown or something like that. 
But everywhere, and everywhere he goes, music follows. So Jesus is walking in a Hollywood movie, and, and you hear, Then they go away from Jesus. Am I the only one to see this? They go away from Jesus. And when they come back to Jesus, the music, ah! Mary, did, he, did Jesus travel in stereo? Did he? I mean, I just want to know. That's what I would ask. Was Jesus in stereo everywhere? Where were those speakers? Because I never saw them around his head. I mean, where were they, man? I have to know. Or Mary, when you looked at your son Jesus, did you see something different in his eyes? I tell you, I don't think, listen, I don't think you can look at Jesus and look into his eyes and not see something different. I don't think that was possible. Even for his mama, I don't think it was possible. I know that woman who was caught in the act of adultery, you know the story. They brought her to Jesus. They threw her down at the, at the feet of Jesus and said, now what are you going to do about this woman caught in the act of adultery? And Jesus leaned down and he started writing something in the sand. We don't know what he wrote, but I think he was writing the names of the guys who was with the woman. That's the white space, y'all. Rodney one one. He's writing the names of the guys. And when they looked down, they saw that in their name, like Jesus wrote down, Harold, you were with her on Monday. Harold went, oh, I better go away. And as, he, as Jesus wrote down every name, they all left. And that woman, are you with me? That woman looking at those names and each guy one by one just walking away. All of a sudden she hears Jesus' voice and, and, she, and Jesus says, woman, where are your accusers? And she said, and I think when she said that, she probably turned and looked up and said, they're not here, Lord. And he looked at her and she looked at him. And, she, and he said, and I don't condemn you either. Now go away and sin no more. That woman's life was changed. There was something different about Jesus it was something certainly different about what she heard come out of Jesus' mouth because everybody else condemned her. Somebody say amen if you know what I'm talking about. Somebody, people condemned that woman. But Jesus, she heard something different come out of his mouth and she saw something different in his eyes because there was something different about Jesus. And Luke interviewing everyone eyewitness account after eyewitness account, and everyone is telling them, telling him the same thing. And Luke says, verse 3, then it seemed good to me, having perfect understanding, to write to you an orderly account. Look at verse 3, most excellent Theophilus. Now, who is this Theophilus? Well, listen, we don't really know that much about him, but we know his name means, if you're taking notes, write this in your margin. It means God lover or lover of God. Theo is God. Like in theology, the study of God, Theo is God. Ophilus means to love. It means to love. So God lover is his name. It means lover of God. He's a lover of God. He probably was a Roman official, as I mentioned, very wealthy. It's very possible. If I know Luke, like I think I know Luke, it's very possible that Luke led him to the Lord. Can you imagine can you imagine having to be, say, around somebody like Paul the Apostle every single day? Do you realize if you had to hang out like the Roman guard who was chained? I think about this poor man. 
the Roman guard who, who, was, who was chained to Paul every single day. If he wasn't a Christian when he got chained to Paul, he was definitely a Christian when, he, when, when Paul died. Paul probably is every single day, all day long. Paul's like quoting the Bible and carrying on. Do you know Jesus today? He goes, no, I don't know him today. I didn't know him Tuesday. I'm probably not going to know him tomorrow. Can you shut up? Finally, he probably just said, look, man, look, I'll just give my life to Christ just to keep you quiet. And Luke, I think, was the same way. And I believe Luke led Theophilus to the Lord. And Theophilus had an understanding of God, but then Luke took it upon himself to have the responsibility of which he should. You lead somebody to the Lord, then it's your responsibility to help grow them in the Lord and to lead them in the right direction. Somebody might know what I'm talking about. That's our responsibility. So Luke begins to share with him. And Luke says, Theophilus, I'm writing to you for two reasons. Go ahead and look at verse Three again. Number one, I'm writing an orderly account. Luke is saying you can take this to the bank. This is what was believed among us all in the beginning. Luke says, I have spoken to many eyewitnesses. I've investigated it completely and I was led to write these things. So first of all, his purpose was to give an orderly account of Jesus Christ. And then secondly, look at verse four. Why did Luke write this gospel to Theophilus? that you may know, anybody looking at verse four, that you might know the certainty of those things in which you were instructed. Luke wrote so that Theophilus would know the truth and the certainty of the Christian gospel. And I believe that Luke wrote so that we can know the certainty of the Christian gospel. Listen, guys, you know, (laughs) you got to have your head in sand if you don't know this. We live in a world, give me your attention. We live in a world where relativism is being pushed and absolutes have been shelved or pushed out. But we still need to know as believers, listen, more than ever, we need to know the certainty of our faith. It is so important to know what you believe and why you believe it. Listen, it's one thing to know what you believe because your grandmother believed it, your great-great-grandmother believed it, your grandfather was a preacher, your father was a preacher, you were brought up in a Christian home, and you know a lot of stuff up here. There's a lot of people who know, quote-unquote, what they believe because they've been told. But how many know that you get to a certain age in this Christian life where you have to make a decision for Jesus Christ for yourself, you know, my kids, I mean, they, they believe in Jesus because I told them that's what you will believe. I'm not in this new school stuff. Oh, y'all don't get me started. Well, I just want them to find their own path. Whatever they think is the right thing to do. This is what I think they ought to do. No. If you my child, you live in my house, eat my food. By the way, it's my house and my food. And that's my room. Y'all know what I'm talking about, do you? Well, you came in my room. You, this is my private space. You don't have any private space till you pay for it. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. Because fuck me, oh, this is my room. This is my room. It ain't your room. That's why I'm slamming no doors in my house. 
Y'all know I'm off on a tangent. I think I'm going to stay on it for a minute. Don't you know? You don't slam no doors in my house. You walk upstairs and slam. I hear, oh, they slammed the doors when they got upstairs. They slammed the door. You did slam a door in my house. That'd be the last door you slam. I only got one witness, but that's all right. Because as long as one person knows what I'm talking about, I'm good. I'm good. So you come up in the home and you believe in Jesus because you've been told to believe in Jesus. And you do. But there comes a time where you have to say, I need to know Jesus for myself. And now you can't ride on the coattails of your parents anymore because now you've got to know Christ for yourself. You've got to put your faith in him for yourself. And now you've got to know not only what you believe, but now you've also got to know why you believe it. You need to get to the point where every Christian should get to the point. Are you listening, Christian? Every Christian need to get to the point where they can read this Bible and they can defend their faith. We need to be able to say, I believe Jesus is 100% man and 100% God because of this. John chapter 1, look at that. What does it say? In the beginning was the Word, the Word was God, and the Word was with God. Now look over here in 1 Thessalonians. Now look over here in 1 Timothy. Oh yeah, well let's just go back to Genesis 1.1 when God said, let us make man in our own image. Who do you think he was talking about? Who do you think he was talking to when he said, let us? He was talking about the Trinity that already existed. We got to know why we believe what we believe. As believers, we need to be able to share our faith on that level. And Luke is helping Theophilus to get to that place. So in closing, who is Luke? Well, Luke is a close observer. He's an excellent writer. He's a painstaking historian. He's a well-trained physician. He is a faithful Christian, and he's a faithful friend who poured himself into this letter so that we might know Jesus. He poured himself into this letter, thus pouring himself into Theophilus so that he could become a more intelligent believer. My question to you, I leave you with this. Who are you pouring yourself into? Do you have a Theophilus in your life? Is there any one person, whether at school, in the neighborhood, at work, wherever you be, is there one person that you pour your life into? Every Christian needs that. It's healthy for you to be pouring yourself out and the Holy Spirit is pouring himself in. This is what we call Christian balance that we are giving out and the Holy Spirit is pouring in. Every Christian needs to have a Theophilus. What are you pouring yourself into or who are you pouring yourself into? Got to ask yourself that question because we need to be about our Father's business. Somebody say amen. amen. We need to further the kingdom. We get so caught up in us for and no more. We have our church, we have our thing, and, and that's it. That's all we need. I go to my church on Sunday. Listen, there is a kingdom of God that he, God the Father, has put a mantle on us that we are to go and build and tell people about the goodness of God and the grace of God and pour ourselves into their lives that they might come to know Jesus. For me, for Pastor Rodney, I, when I close my eyes, I want to have done all that I can do for the glory of the kingdom. I want to have done it all. 
I'm not tired. I'll wait while you clap because I know you want that too. You want that too. I, I'm not tired. People say, Pastor Rodney, you, 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 you travel for two days to India. You come back. I get off the plane and I come right back here in the pulpit and preach. I love to preach. No, I'm not tired. I'm not tired. Nope, nope, nope. I'm not tired. Sometimes I need a little rest. I'm not tired, though. And I won't be tired until I take my last breath here on earth, take my next breath in the kingdom of God, and there will be everlasting. I have so much rest in heaven. I'm going to get all the rest I need. I'm gonna be, boy, I'll be bugging y'all. I'm like, we got to play Parcheesi or something. We, no, we got to do something. There's not time to rest on this earth. Are you hearing me? Who's your Theophilus? What is your Theophilus? Ask the Lord to show you and give you a Theophilus. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.